Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Career Development. Uh, We're uh, excited to bring you a uh, very good topic, I think, a very timely topic that I think a lot of you will enjoy and hopefully get a lot of value out of. We're going to talk about some of the challenges in getting an offer accepted. Um, I know between all of us on this call, probably just in this year, we've probably written hundreds of offers that have not gone through. So uh, we want to talk about some some methods that we can use to, you know, either make the offers more attractive or uh, whatever to try to get us a little more business. We also want to talk about doing some more in-house sales and the benefits of that. So we have a panel of experts with us today that are going to share some thoughts. We've got Mr. John Feldman from Front Royal. We have Liz Crumrine from Winchester and Paula Miller, as if you guys don't know Paula Miller, from Shepherdstown. Uh, So all three of them have a unique perspective on gaining business, making creative offers. Uh, So we're going to hear from from both sides of the fence, I think, from the seller side and from the buyer side, uh, because it's not just about what your buyer can do to make it work. It's also about what your seller needs to consider when they're weighing out their offers. Price isn't always the most important thing. So let's go ahead and um, let's hear from John, because I don't think John's been one of our panelists, um, I don't know, ever or at least in a long time. So we haven't really heard from John. No, never. He's a quizmaster. No, never. uh, Welcome, Mr. Feldman. Tell us us your your, your thoughts. Uh, well, it was a shock when Stacy asked me to be on the panel. I, I've never done anything like this. I mean, I like watching Zoom things, but uh, to be a part of something, it was very nice. So I thank you for that. Um, it is true. I, I normally work with buyers. I don't normally work with sellers. So I have written in 2020 alone, in 2021 so far, countless contracts. I have one client. We're on our 11th contract that we've been turned down on. Uh, we get beat out constantly on all cash offers, offers waiving every inspection. Um, and it is tough when you're up against those offers, I know. Uh, and so I do try and I do tell my buyers every time, let's not just present an offer. Let's try something a little different or something extra with our offer to see. And I do understand after I'm completely finished here, you try these things, they can work. But if you're going up against all cash offers, if you're going up against offers with absolutely no inspections, it it is true that these things may not still work, but they really will help you, I think, in my opinion, uh, and what you can do to make your offer stand out from a from a buyer's point of view, from the agent who's presenting the uh, actual offer. Um, number one, the standard is the easiest is a personal letter with the offer written by the buyer. And I prefer that it be handwritten. Hopefully your client has really good handwriting. Don't give a chicken scratch letter. It needs to be something that when the seller is looking at it, they're going, wow, look at that beautiful handwriting. Um So that's the easiest thing you can do. Uh, So a handwritten letter. And in that letter, have your client gush about the property in the home, how much they love it, how much they'll take care of it, how they're going to live in it for the rest of their life and raise a family. Anything that they can possibly word stretch it out, uh, it makes it the letter look so much better. It makes the seller feel like I'm giving my house to someone who really is appreciating it. Besides, I'm just selling my house. Um, 
also uh, mention that location to family and jobs. Just talk about how this house is the most perfect thing that these clients have come across. Um, and I think that will go a long way in a letter. Um, so that's the first thing your clients should do. Uh, the second thing, I think it's a really smart move. And this can be in the letter. It can also be something that the, the agent is saying when they're submitting the offer is exploit your client's job. Uh, if they, uh, and the point is, is to win over the seller. Uh, if your client is a teacher, if your client is a vet of the military, if your client's a police officer, a fireman, if they are a doctor, anything that uh, if they do something to help the community, uh, anything that you can say to make your client stand out to the seller, make them say, wow, I'd really love to sell my house to that person. Um, I think that's a really smart move on your buyer's uh, point to get uh, their offer accepted over other people. Hey, John, um, can yes, I jump yes. in real quick? So Debbie actually just put in a very interesting counterpoint in the chat, and I wanted to stop while we're still on the oh, subject. I, yeah, I don't have chat. No, up, no, no that's fine. I'm, I'm watching it for him. Uh, so she said basically um, that in GRI class, they're saying not to do love letters because of code of ethics. So I'm curious if anyone on here wants to weigh in on their thoughts on that. I don't really know what I think about that yet. So Paula, go ahead. Since Debbie is in the class, I'd like her to maybe expound a little bit on, I know Mark taught the, Mark Mansour taught the class and he's a huge code of ethics expert. Uh, if he uh, uh, equated what code uh, it violated or could violate because this is if you if you're on lab code agents, this is discussed a lot on that as well on on Facebook, on the love letters becoming a problem. Uh, I think it's familiar. Is it familiar? It's fair housing is what it is. Fair housing and familiar. Yeah, I was about to say it's yeah, like a fair familiar, housing issue. Uh, the familiar? No, the oh, familiar status. It has to do with yeah, familial yeah. status. Yeah. Is it is it the fact that it's a letter period or is it the fact of things that are said within the letter? Could you still submit that, a letter? The things that are said in the letter. He also said the, that the agent shouldn't even look at the letter or receive the letter. They should oh, really? Not, they should not even encourage the buyer to write the letter. Well, what's is there a difference between because my next point was going to be this um, after the letter. My next thing was going to be. When an agent submits an offer, it really shouldn't be. And hopefully you're doing this anyway, because um, when I write an offer, I always, to make it easy on the listing agent, I do a full breakdown of the offer, sales price, all the terms of it. So the, the agent can see, boom, right there. They don't have to go through the contract and figure out what the offer is. But also now I've been implementing where I try to sell my client to the listing agent in the email. I try everything possible and I'm doing some of the same things. So am I, I'm, I really shouldn't be saying that either. I shouldn't be trying to say anything about my client, whether they, Hey, they're a teacher. This works great for them in terms of their job. Um, it's close to their parents. Um, I, I, should I be saying any of that then? So let me pipe in as the broker for a minute. Let me, let me put the broker hat on for just a second. So I, I, I'm not a fan of the agent describing the situation okay? Okay. because now you're interpreting, right? Or there is some interpretation, whether it's right or wrong. I do think if the client does it and you stay away from, you know, basically fair housing, red flags, I think you're fine. Um, I'm having, I want to try, um, I don't know. Um, so I think, I think there's a happy medium, right? 
they may have met the people when they walked through the house. We don't know. So in that scenario, I don't think giving a description of why they would like to have the house is a bad idea. And, and I just think you need to be cautious in what you're doing. Just like if you write an ad to the public or anything else, you don't want to put things in there, you know, that are going to be fair housing violations. Right. And Can I, I have a quick question. Sure. Um, my clients wrote a letter recently and it got them the house, but they included a photo of the family. And I'm wondering now whether they shouldn't have done that. So I have mixed opinions on that. I just made two statements of what I said. They could have met them when they came through the house, right? (laughs) They could have seen them on their security camera. Right. So, so the concept, they're going to meet him at closing. I mean, so this concept of you're going to hide these people from the truth is a little vague. I mean, again, the board of realtors is not a legal institution. So it's not a law. This is a, this is a code of ethics question. I, I, I question if we're kind of stretching this a little bit. Certainly everybody wants to have the biggest safety net on possible, but there's some reality to this is that, you know, the neighbor could have saw them walk up to the house. I mean, who knows? Yeah. The photo really. He said, he said, absolutely no pictures whatsoever. Yeah. And Debbie, um, because I, I don't, then you're, you're really steer, you're, you're steering in a way, if you will. Um, not steering. That's not, the well, word not word, steering, but, but you're, you're, um, he said, don't do it. Just yeah, don't so, do it. I mean, you could get yourself in a lot of trouble by those love letters. So, so let me, one more thing, Paula, before you jump in. So I don't disagree. I think the photos is probably a little awkward, but I mean, if you're, you're naive to think that these people don't go back to Facebook and look up who your client is or what's going on. Right. This is real. I mean, if they're out there, they're going to be told. So, you know, I find it a little bit abstract to say we're going to make this person a blank piece of paper and you can't know anything about them. This is just the financials about it. I don't think that's real. And I don't think anybody going to transaction is real. Now, that being said, I don't think that you need, I do think you need to be very fair housing oriented. Don't put stuff in the letter. Don't be blatant in the stuff in the photo. (laughs) Um, I think that's, that's there. So the photos, I'm a little bit hesitant to tell you, I think that's okay. Um, but I don't think that at the end of the day, it's it, it's detrimental. Let me say it that way. Go ahead, Kerry. Well, I, I think the whole point is, um, you know, you need to take yourself out of the middle of it. As an agent, you need to take yourself out of the middle of it because right. if the seller is going to discriminate from a, you know, based on a letter that somebody has written, then you don't want to have anything to do with it. You don't even want to know about it. You know? Agreed. I think you're great on that, Carrie. So what would be the best? You're going right where I'm going to head here. What would be the best way to give that? To give what? Put the letter or whatever in an envelope sealed. Owners. Right? Well, Go ahead. What, now, if the other agent opens it, it's fine. Right. And you don't even have to read it. You know, for, you know, it's interesting. For the first time ever, I saw in a listing said no love letters please yeah have you seen that yeah i saw it <laughs> yeah. the listing agent actually put in the remarks no love letters please yeah so i think that's a good discussion and i think john i think you're on the right track i don't think that they're bad i do think you have to be cautious because you're opening yourself up i also don't think you as the agent should input your opinion or write that for them I think that, well, the only reason I really think that people are doing it more so now is because of what happened in 2020 post-COVID. 
with the explosion of real estate and having to what we're doing exactly here in this Zoom meeting is what can we do? I mean, buyer agents and buyers have been thinking this for the last year or two. What can I do to win an offer? I've been losing out on the contract. So I think, I mean, because when I first got into this job whatever, 19 years ago, I heard of people writing a letter every now and again, but you rarely heard people that would like want to write a letter. You just wrote the offer and you tried to work it out and get it accepted. Um, so it is it is an interesting concept. And I, I did like what I think Steve said about have the seller, I mean, have the buyer write a letter, make sure they tell them what not to put into it, have them seal it. Buyer's agent doesn't look at it or touch it, and it goes directly to the listing agents somehow, and then it can be taken care of that way. Um, because I, I had a situation, I won't, I won't, this was a bit ago and I won't name any agents, but I had a seller that took a contract uh, because the agent made us aware that it was a son buying the property for the mother. So the mother would be able to stay in the area. And the seller was like, wow, what a, that was very nice of them. And said, they went with that con, went with the contract because of that. So it was a great, it, it worked out great. It was exactly the point of my, my, the thing saying, sell your client and try to make sure that client stands out. And it worked. It was like, here's the gold standard of that working. So it is interesting now to know. I'm glad I brought this up and, and to almost derail this whole event uh, with this. What can we do and what can we not do? With, and, and so uh, one more I, quick, one more quick question on this part of the topic before I, I know you've got other points you want to make. Um, what is the listing agent's responsibility if, if your buyer does write a letter? Or what, you know, and this can be more of a broad, it doesn't have to be letter. Like we know they have to present offers, but what else does the listing agent have to provide to the seller that you send along with the offer? Does anybody, I mean, we can weigh on that really quick and then John can continue. Carrie? Well, I think that it depends on how it's presented. Um, I've seen them presented as part of the contract. And if it's presented as part of the contract, it's the, it's the listing agent's duty to present that contract, right? If it's presented separately, like uh, you hand them an envelope, I don't know what I don't know what their responsibility becomes. Then it's not actually part of the contract. I, I don't know. Anybody else before I pipe in? Go ahead, Paul. I was just going to suggest that um, you know, listing agents. I wonder if listing agents are arbitrarily making the decision no love letters. Or are they discussing it with their seller because the seller may be okay with accepting the love letters, but they have to know that that's become a part of what's going on in, in the market it's today. It's more prevalent. It's, it's always happened, but it's more prevalent. No question. And, and, I, and I can think of homes that I've sold that love letters were presented. And um, oft, oftentimes, not oftentimes, but sometimes you're in a property and uh, the person it was military and they've got other awards all over the wall. And then you take a buyer in there and they're like, oh, man, I, I, I'm in the same branch of service he was in or, you know, and then that becomes another layer of, geez, could, let's let's let the seller know that, yeah. you know, why I want this house. I want to have this, you know. So I'm going to I'm going to address two things, I think, real quick. So the first one is, uh, if it's presented in the contract, everything in the contract has to be presented. I agree with Carrie. If it's outside the contract, I think the listing agent has the determination of whether that is passed on or not, because that point is just data passed. Um, now, I want to say something. What 
John said, you know, if somebody picks an offer that's for less money because they like the person, have you as the agents done anything wrong? Is, is this in everybody's best interest? And I mean that I want you to think through that when I ask it, right? Like, so if it went to court or you went to the board of realtors and they said, I didn't get my offer accepted because mine was more money and a better deal. Did you do something wrong? I think as long as you presented all of them equally and you didn't give one more favor than the other, what did you do wrong? Okay. Ultimately, it's the seller's decision, and as long as all offers were presented equally and fairly, they made their decision. Yeah, you're, you're right. Uh, the answer is money is not always the answer. Right. So the seller can pick for whatever reason they want to. You know, the sky's blue today, and today I like, you know, blue ink on the paper instead of black ink on the paper. You know, pick, pick a situation. Um, so I just want you to guys to have that in your mind. Don't get sucked into the highest price has got to be the offer that the seller accepts. So, okay, Stephen, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Or John, whoever's up. I'm sorry. Um, well, I want to ask a question and I, I don't want to derail my own with a derailment moment from me. Um, but I have a situation that, uh, want to get your opinion, Steve, was this okay? Um, I had a, I don't, it's sort of similar to this, but I don't know really. I had a client that looked at a house and it was out in the country. And when we were looking at it, the very first thing you could smell, they were laying um, pig, you know what, on the fields every spring in the country. Farmers do that. It was very overpowering. And it was the very first thing that was said. And uh, I thought that was the end of the showing. But no, we looked at it. They really liked it. And But the kicker was when we were going to the car, there were seven shotgun blasts that sounded like they were shooting at us. And I was convinced, no, that is truly the end of this sale. So we got in our car and we left. And next thing I know, she contacts me the next day. I want to put an offer in. And I'm like, okay. So we put an offer in. And then it, it, it was a nice property and they were redoing it. And um, the seller was being kind of a jerk accepting it. And I think he wanted to hopefully get some multiple offers. And I told the agent, I said, you know, you really need to tell the seller, you've got a great offer in front of you here. And here's what happened during showing. We had this happen in the beginning and we had uh, almost World War III with shotguns attacking us. And so I just wanted to kind of let you know that I didn't say that you're, you're, you're definitely not going to get any other people right in offer because I didn't want to say that. But I kind of said, you've got a great offer. All of this happened. Um, I really think the seller should take our offer. Wink, hint, hint, without really saying hint, hint, wink, wink. Um, was that okay to do that? I mean, so it sounds to me like you didn't say anything that was untrue. It also sounds to me like you didn't say anything that the seller's probably not aware of. Yeah, I have a fee. I have that feel. So, I mean, the answer is we've made our offer. These were of concerns to us. We're okay with them. I don't know who else would be or not, but we are. And this is what we have on the table today. Would you like to move be forward or not? And I, I mentioned that because I've shown a lot of properties to people, uh, properties to have lost 10 contracts where 
there have been things like that, but I never share that. I never share any kind of negative of like, oh, hey, by the way, there's a huge junkyard next door. Any, anything that's like a, an eyesore or a problem, the next door neighbor has 100 chickens. Uh, it looks like Sanford and Son. I, I keep that to myself. But that could tie into this, what I'm trying to, some of my points here. It, is that something that you could share with uh, your offer to say, you know, I, here's all these negatives that uh, my client is totally fine with all this. In fact, they, they love it. They, they, uh, is that something that would be okay to uh, include with an offer? Or is that something to if know, John? If it's a real experience, and it's, and I would say it's like conditionally acceptable to the seller. They know where they live. They know yeah. where the airplane flies over twice a day or the train runs through the trips in the back. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, you know, it's kind of like if you're selling a pink elephant, it's a pink elephant. It is what it is. All right. Well, then there you go. That's number five. If you have negatives of around this, uh, feel free to share that with the agents, with the listing agent to uh, hopefully, I think the, I don't think that with most offers, hopefully if you um, highlight the negatives around the property, if your client is still going to submit an offer, hopefully the seller may, include that with to the seller the agent will include that to the seller and maybe your your offer will stand out that you have said my client has absolutely no problem with it they love it maybe they'll go with that offer because of it um so my final rule thing about trying to get a uh, your offer accepted it's the the other simple things if you're a if your buyer is willing to do this i've lost out to them before Uh, you can try to convince your buyers to do them I would never tell a buyer to not do a home inspection at all. It's up to your buyer whether they want to do it. If they actually tell you, I don't want to do a home inspection, all right, there's nothing you could do about it. But I always suggest at least do a home inspection with notice to void. Um, it, it's so much worth your buyer's uh, time to do it. it. It gives them the out of the contract. It's, and plus, it will find out some major stuff. I found out horrible foundation things. I'm sure agents have had horror stories as well. Um, I would uh, pay for every inspection. I would not ask the seller to pay for anything, not even the $30 pest, not even the water, not even a $5 anything. I would re- I would uh, make so uh, if the pest inspection finds termite treatment needs, I would say the buyer will pay for it. The seller doesn't have to even pay for that. I wouldn't ask for a home warranty. Make the contract as clean as absolutely possible. I actually, I had a, contract in Fredericksburg on a $550,000 house, I think. And the agent had the nerve to tell me that I lost on a $30 pest inspection. And I didn't know if she was lying or if she just wanted to give me a, a random excuse or if she was dead serious, but that's what she said. And she got, and she actually said every dollar counts. And I went, Oh my God. So that taught me a valuable lesson. Every dollar counts on a contract. Have your buyer, if they can do it, pay for every single inspection or anything on it. Thank you, John. Um, oh, go ahead, sorry. Oh, the, and then the last thing is, I, I don't know if this is controversial or not. I just wanted to bring it up and get an opinion. I, I know on contracts when there's multiple offers, when yours is one of them, uh, you've got a home inspection, whether it's notice the void, you've got a septic inspection, if it has a septic system. I highly recommend clients do it. I know some sellers may go with an offer that doesn't have a, a home inspection, but I tell my clients, 
about well inspections. I have some that want to do it and I have some that don't care about a well inspection. I tell them what the home inspector is going to do, that they don't fully inspect the well. It's up to you whether you want to do it. It's $350, 400 bucks if you'd like to do it. Now I'm kind of suggesting, and I don't know if this is wrong, it's one less contingency to take off of the contract if you don't do the well inspection. It's it's a something the seller will look at and say that's one less out of the contract. It usually takes 20 days to get a well inspector out to a property to do it. If there's issues that are found, if if it's not there, that's one less thing. If it's there, the agent's going to tell the seller, hey, there's one more out of the con uh, of the contract on this particular contract. You may not want to go with it. So I don't know if that's a controversial thing on my part to even advise a, a buyer to, you know, it's okay not to do a well inspection. So let me just put the broker hat on. Let me just do this real quick. You still have a fiduciary relationship with your buyer. You should advise them of all their information. This is what you should do. This is what it costs. This is how long it takes. This is my recommendation. Oh, I do. These I, the, I, these are the pitfalls and the benefits of it. The pitfall may be you may not get the contract accepted if you do it, but you need to have that conversation regardless of the times of what's going on with real estate. And I say that not to you, John, but just in general, everybody. Okay. I understand. Michael, go ahead. Steve, I think all of that follow-up should be in writing. Whatever they decide to do, um, you need to follow up, John, with them and say, we discussed that uh, you're going to go forward without a well inspection, blah, blah, blah. So you have a cover your butt thing. Oh, I am. Yeah, I, I agree with that. If that the, and the I, warranty I, thing, I would keep the warranty, even if you as an agent split the cost with them. Uh, so many of those things can come back to bite you. Uh, and so you want to be careful. But a warranty is worth you donating well, some of your money. Well, in terms of the warranty, I should have maybe I don't ask the seller to pay for it. I always okay. give the option of the buyer. If you want a home warranty at any point from contract ratification to closing, they have that even the day before closing, you can get the home warranty. Um, but, yeah, I, I just don't ever ask the seller to pay for it unless the sell. And even if I have had situations where a seller was offering the home warranty as part of the sale. And I told the listing agent, you know, my client is fine. The seller, save your money. Don't don't give us the home warranty. They'll worry about that themselves. And it was an added little, it was a little bonus to our offer, but we still lost. Um, so unfortunately, in the real world, what happens, even though we do all these things, when it goes and becomes a piece of poo-poo, it still comes back to the real estate agent. Yeah, know, I, yeah, I totally try to nail us on it. Yeah. So Michael's anyway. got Michael's got something to say, but I want to just jump in really quick because I know a couple of things about a home warranty. Um, so a hundred percent always offer the warranty, even if the seller's not paying for it. Uh, and I believe Marsha can Marsha can clarify, but I think it's thirty, if not maybe sixty days after closing. I think it's, it used to be thirty. They can still get it thirty days after closing, and they can just pay monthly payments. They don't have to pay the full cost up front. So your buyer always has options when it comes to the home warranty. So a hundred percent agree that you should always be offering that. Uh, and then Sheila brought up a point that Marsha has brought up before as well. You can, in your offer, offer to the seller that the, the, the buyer will carry seller's coverage during the inspection, during the ratification period. And that way, if anything comes up, that's an extra benefit to the seller. So let's say the home inspection uncovers something or three days before closing, the water heater goes out, the seller's protected, the buyer will pay extra for that warranty. 
but um, that is actually a, a reverse way to um, get it. Janine's saying it's home warranties up to 60 days after closing now. So your buyer does have a window of opportunity. So that's just and some what, creative ways you can use the warranty in the, in the negotiations. Stephen, what if they initially waive it and they say, we want to, we want to think about getting it later. We don't have the extra cash right now. Are they, they allowed to, to, if they, they waive have up it to up 60 days after closing. So they can initially waive it and change their minds. Yeah. Cause the home warranty company doesn't know they've waived it. They have, it's not like they're, oh, you're barred forever from ever getting, it's just that the waiver is for our file and okay. make sure you get a waiver. If they don't want a warranty, they have to sign off saying they don't want Absolutely. a warranty. Don't just say, well, I offered it and they didn't, where's the paperwork? I need that signed because when the refrigerator goes out or the water heater blows up, they're going to blame you and they're going to say, why didn't you tell me I could have gotten a home warranty? Um, I've seen it happen so many times. So, uh, Michael, you have uh, uh, Carrie, because I know you have to jump off real quick. You can go, and then Michael. So I, I just wanted to say that if you're going to offer a home warranty for the seller, you need to make sure that you're the one that's given that listing agent the documentation for the home warranty because they don't cover a whole lot of things that the seller is going to get mad about when they find out if they haven't received that documentation up front. So you need to make you need to make, take that step to make sure the listing agent gets the documentation. Fair enough. Yes. Seller's coverage is limited to certain items. Generally not the appliances. It's usually just the main systems. I include that in my offer. There you go. Michael, it's finally your turn. <laughs> I just did one of those on where we're paying for the seller's coverage, by the way. So yay, my buyers. But I was just going to say, probably, it's probably been about two years ago, we had a meeting in Winchester and I thought it was Wendy had sold a property that was like seven, eight hundred, nine hundred thousand dollars, and they skipped the well inspection, and it came back to haunt them. It was like tens of thousands of dollars. I can't remember which agent it was. It was either uh, Front Royal or, or Winchester, but they've got this property out there that there's like, I think it's the flow test. Like this, this well has water in it, and it's a high end property, and the people are like trapped in it. But I'll cut off. So before we jump over to Liz, I want to open it up really quickly to any anybody who wants to offer their perspective from the listing side and anything John has shared with us. So put yourself, put your seller's agent hat on and a picture that he has just brought you something from one of his buyers, similar to what he shared. I'm curious to hear your perspective and how you would either present that or how you would talk to your seller about the situation. I say one thing before anyone starts though. I did really, I want to mention, I don't know if anyone heard it because we kind of got derailed a little bit, but how John lays out in his offer exactly what he's offering. So the agent doesn't have to read through the whole contract. I thought that was a really good tip because um, it makes it a lot easier when they're going through these contracts and the more they understand the more they can uh, explain. That's all I wanted to say. Well, I'll say this. Just think about this. If you're the agent on the other end, the contract that's going to be easier for you to deal with will probably be the one that you recommend as it gets there, right? So if it's really heavy lifting on the on the listing agent side, for example, in this situation, and it's convoluted and messy and questionable, and they have another one almost identical that is not, which one would you pick? So theoretically, well, I, think, I think Melinda had a form and I used to use a form that you would line the contracts up. This is the closing date. This is it. So really? you're, you're looking at Thank a you. summary. Okay. Looking, trying to clip through five contracts. 
you're seeing the summary because a closing date might be more important to a person than the offer. Well, and I would also add in really quickly along the same lines of making it simple. If you're difficult to deal with, your offer is going to be looked at more negatively as well. So how you interact with other agents will reflect on how your offer is received. I know that sounds horrible to say, but it's true. I mean, I, I, from a, especially from a foreclosure standpoint, when I was a listing agent for REO, I knew the trouble agents. I knew which offers were going to be a huge pain. I didn't have any sway over what the bank was going to do, but there were times where my asset manager would say, which one? I'm like, I can tell you Sally is, ooh, every time I do a deal with her, it's always something. The manager's like, I don't have time for that. Go with the other one. So you know, just keep in mind how we treat other agents can affect how our offers are received. So um, anyway, on to the listing side. What do you guys think really quickly? And then and then I'll let uh, Liz jump in with her points. So on the listing side with the love letter, I've seen it when it comes in with the, the pictures and completely sway, even though it wasn't the best choice for them, they still went with that option. And like, we have no recourse because it's the seller's choice, what they want to do. So, you know, breaking it down. So I've been very hesitant to do letters and I ask my sellers at our, at our consultations, are you willing to look at a letter or not? If they say, no, I just want to see numbers, then that's what we do. Um, but that's just on, on that. And the, being friendly goes a long way. That was something that I was going to say when I talked later is just don't be an ass. Like everybody has to work together. You have to work with, I mean, we're all in this. This is our job. So we all have to get along. Um, and I see that on both sides, just because you're the listing agent doesn't, I mean, yes, we're in a seller's market right now. So yes, you hold the cards and yes, there's going to be another deal, but the market will churn eventually and you all still have to continue to work together. So. So along that line, just a sec, Michael. Uh, so Liz <clears throat> or anybody. So let's say the offer has a letter and you know that this offer is not the best option for your seller, but they're swayed by emotions. Where do you draw the line in your fiduciary responsibility to protect the interests of your client in how you step in on that situation. So what I did in that particular situation, because I knew the seller was going to just crumble when she saw the letter and the pictures, I presented the multiple offer sheet first, let them look at numbers, and then any of the letters, I gave them the letters. It all got presented at the same time in one sitting, but I did the numbers first. Didn't make a difference, but... What about anybody else? Michael, do you have something to add? I was, two things. Well, one, actually regarding that, I had a scenario where it was multiple offers and the buyers had met my sellers. Now, when the offers came in, we weren't sure which family was which. And they were so happy it was the one family and we got to closing, it wasn't them. And the sellers were just like, they were like mad because we didn't sell to the right family, even though the other family's offer wasn't as good as these people. And I, I was just like, well, we got you the best deal. But um, my question was going to be to Steve. Um, we touched on it a meeting or two ago about the uh, sight unseen language. Um, we had just got some of that in the GRI class. And I was you know, hoping you might touch upon that and 
Um, is that something that we might want to add to our um, documents and zip forms? So it's in zip forms. Uh, so the sight unseen, you can write that. I mean, you've got for coming soon. So people are writing these all for sight unseen, basically using the home inspection or something to, to, to cop out if they don't like the house. Uh, you, you know, look, I, I'm all about like trying to work for your client, but you know, at some point, don't forget, I mean, there's kind of a level playing field out there somewhere you need to kind of have common sense and how you're doing that. Um, it, there's nothing illegal about it. You can certainly do it. Um, but be transparent if that's what you're doing. I mean, you know, don't mislead the client or the, or the cell or the uh, agent and what's happening. Just, just call it what it is. So that would be my advice on that. Go ahead, Karen. I just wanted to add, I think the love letters is putting the agent on a slippery slope where, you know, it just all of a sudden it's going to get into race, religion, where they want to put the Christmas tree and blah, blah, blah. That's just my opinion. I guess if you have to have them, fine, but I probably wouldn't do them. I think as long as you stay away from fair housing stuff. You yeah, you really got to look into knowing all the fair housing. Going with that... And, and you have done a great job of educating us what to do when we submit a letter. There's agents out there that don't do that. They don't educate their clients of what they can and cannot put in a letter. So as a listing agent, when you receive something that has something that could be construed as fair housing violation, do you present or not present? Or do you inform the seller that they're not allowed to consider this part of the letter? How, how do you handle uh, that? I would probably take an approach that's a little different. My approach would probably go back. I said, hey, I've looked at your letter. Uh, just want to make sure this is how you want it written. This is kind of some of the things that smells funny to me or whatever. Um, if you want me to present it as it is, I will. I'm just going to send you some documentation that, uh, you know, I reviewed it and asked if this was your final and last copy uh, to send that I, you know, had some questions. And I do that only because that's a CYA. Uh, but, but at the end of the day, whatever they're going to Look, they could have had the conversation with them. They could walk up and knock on their door tomorrow. So, so I keep trying to kind of put this picture in your mind. You can't make these people a blank slate. If they want to interact, they're going to interact, whether it's on Facebook or anything else. So the thing is to see why, keep your, keep your opinions out of it. Don't be writing letters and doing stuff for it. And if you see something that looks bad, you know, just ask the agent, hey, I looked at this. Uh, you kind of sure you how you decide how you want to do it, I, you know, maybe some words in there that might not sound right or whatever you want to say. Um, and if they say, yes, I'm just going to shoot this to you in writing. Just let me know. Send me an email confirming you want me to put it in there. I guess my biggest concern with any of those letters is familiar status because any person coming into a house is going to say my family of four or, you know. Could they do that? Could they do that from the neighbor seeing them? Could they have met them in time? Could they have looked on Facebook? Would that still influence their decision the same way? Absolutely. So don't get hung up on, they're not going to know. It's just not plausible. It, if It's not plausible to think that somebody couldn't figure that out. Let me say it that way. Is, is, the, is the letter really only an issue if there's multiple offers? If it's just a single offer that, that's looked at and entertained and accepted? Is, is it I don't think it matters about whether it's one offer or 10 offers. I think the letter is what it is. And, 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 and guys, I want to, we can talk about this more, but there's several other things we can talk about, about getting offers accepted and, you know, selling in-house stuff. So I want to try to get to those, but my two cents on the latter is 
stay away from the fair housing. If you get something that doesn't smell right, have that conversation, get a, get a clearance on it and, you know, use them for what they are. I mean, that, you know, I gave you some ideas, put it in an envelope, you know, whatever on that situation. If you have an envelope and you have it and you say, Hey, thanks for sending me the sealed envelope. I'll give it to them. That way they know you haven't read it or interpreted it. Right. So. Chris, did you have something you wanted to ask? Yeah, yeah, I did. Thanks. Uh, can you put cash in the envelope along with? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, for informational purposes only, and uh, you know, on inspection and uh, you know, inspection light um, relative to material defects and recourse to get out of a contract. I'm all I'm a little fuzzy in all that area because um, I've never done anything with informational purposes only. I've never needed to. But there was a guy that is handy. He works as a contractor. We lost a bid the other day, um, and we had everything in there, escalation clauses, $1,000, and just all kinds of stuff um, for informational purposes only. So clear that up. So in really elementary terms, you'll still do all the inspections, but you can't get out of the contract based on the inspections. It's just giving you more knowledge. So if you're buying a pink elephant, you know, with – horseshoes on it you, you get to see it has horseshoes you know it's one of those things whatever it is this is what you're getting but it doesn't allow you to get out of the contract wow so going back to the conversation we were having uh, you wouldn't why would you fiduciary responsibility to your client why would you let somebody make an offer like that i thought that that could be for more cosmetic but if there's a crack in the foundation or a leak in the roof or a joist that's rotten you still can't get out that's, if you write it for informational purposes, really? the theory okay. is, is that you can't get out. Now, okay. Carrie's probably going to go to some of the – go ahead. Yeah, so there. if you look at the, the contingencies, there's a as-is with right to terminate. That as-is with right to terminate gives you the ability to have a home inspection, and if you don't like it, you can terminate the contract and get your earnest money deposit back. You just need to make sure you're using the right home inspection contingency, you know, because there's another one in there that says, yeah, you can do a home inspection and you can ask the seller to fix things if you, you know, if you choose to do that. So just, you got to pick the right one. Um, and Steve, I wanted to uh, go back to when you were talking about the as is before um, and, and gives the buyer the opportunity to, to walk away Um you know, we've seen that a lot where, where we're getting the as is with right to terminate and very, very few buyers are walking away because of it. You know, they just want to know that, you know, that that the house isn't going to fall down tomorrow. And if it's not going to fall down tomorrow, they're fine with it. And and I matter of fact, I don't I don't recall any of our buyers walking away when they've used that uh, right to terminate the contingency. Good point, Carrie. Good point. So let's uh, let's go ahead and hear from Liz because uh, she's been waiting patiently to make a few of her points, uh, so we can we can see what other gems of knowledge to glean. Um, Chris, are you using the um, VAR forms? Are you using you're using the VAR forms? VAR. Yeah. So I agree with what you were saying. The terminology and the way to write that in there is extremely. It sucks. Um, so what I have been doing is in the other section or adding addendum, that's where I've been specifying what the home inspection is for. 
um, because the in the Northern Virginia realtors, there's a completely different form and section. And with the VAR, the VAR form sucks. But I know in your area, they don't like the NVAR form. So. Great. Thanks, Elizabeth. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yep. Yep. And that's that's a huge thing um, that that we're seeing. So real quick, two points, um, listing and, and buying side. Um, just like I said, don't be, don't be rude to the other agent. I am going out of my way to call the other agent and actually talk to them, whether it's list or buy. If they send me a contract, I'm calling, I'm talking over everything. If they give me, you know, the list of here's what it is, the home inspection I ask, why are we doing a home inspection? Like, what are you trying to get out of this? Just so that we understand. Um, and, you know, for the buyer side, I say something along the lines of like, look, these guys are fairly new to home ownership. They want to know how all the systems work. We're not trying to avoid the contract, but they really need this. We're not going to ask for any repairs. And obviously, if it's a foundation stuff, we're willing to work through that. If it's, you know, something majorly structural, we want to work through that. We're not here to void. Um, and for the most part, that's helped. I've only had um, two contracts that we didn't get. Uh, and one of them was just, I asked the agent, like, hey, what can we do different next time? Not looking for specifics, but what, what was your winning bid? And she said it was way over offering price. And I was like, well, I mean, we went like 20 grand over offering price. So like, can you give me something more? Um, and she just stopped communicating. And that's cool. But in the same sense, we all are here to do the same job. So if you can help somebody get win their next listing or win their next uh, contract that they submit, offer that they submit, like we're all here to do the same thing and to get people in houses. So to me, that's a big thing that I try to do on the list or the buy side is be friends with the agent. I always ask, what do your people need? Do they need more time? Do they need more money? That kind of stuff. And something that we just started doing, and it might be a no-no, but it's just a very simple thank you note. Thank you for leaving your house, why we showed your property, and we set the card on top of it. And that's it. It just lets them know that we understand they were inconvenienced by having to leave the house. Um, and like I said, short and sweet, that's all we're doing different. So, Steven, do you have anybody else? Uh, no, Paula had to jump off. So, so now we're into the open forum. Let's do some rapid fire. Let's see if we can come up with like a half a dozen really quick, good things, um, between everybody here of what we can do to help. Um, so Chris said something I want, I want everybody, they did, they laughed about it, but I want, I want you to put this in perspective for a minute. Chris said, can I include an envelope with a hundred dollar bill in it? Can he do that? Yeah. Can who do it? Can the buyer, can the buyer in their offer do that? I've never, I didn't look in the envelope. I don't know what's in there. Well, even if you knew what was in the envelope. As long as well, I didn't do I, it. It's the buyer is offering it. I mean, you can do part of the contract, part of the offer. Okay, I, I say that because let me give you an example that happens in commercial deals sometimes, right? So sometimes we've got commercial deals going on, and it's a complex deal, and they're institutional firms competing, and they might include 
hey, thank you for reviewing the offer. By the way, you can spend the week at my house on the island. Thanks for taking time to look at my offer. Whether you accept it or not, I'm not going to be there this week. You guys can have it and take a look. Thanks for time. Is that okay? If it's cash given to a buy, given from a buyer in an envelope to an agent, who's to say that it's going to the seller? I mean, I mean, you're using cash. I'm, I'm doing. I mean, it's, it does it have to be in writing that the cat like? I, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that there would be an unscrupulous agent, but what? I mean, really? Oh, a, I mean, I, I, I get. I, I'm just kind of incentive. So let's let's just take it a different scenario. Let's take the cash part out. I'd use that because that's what Chris used as an example. Um, if your buyer decided to send, you know, flowers to the seller before the offer came in and say, hey, we're presenting an offer to you. I just wanted to let you know, thank you so much for your time for letting us see your house. Is that okay? Yeah, that's that's a better, I think that's a great, I think that would be awesome. If, if a, a thing if a of value is a thing of value. So it really doesn't matter if it's flowers or vacation. So but I just thought, but, but what, but the concept here was, is, and I just want you to think, I'm making you guys think, but the idea is you differentiate, differentiate it yourself, just like you're talking about in this, you know, love letters by doing that. Does it work? Is it okay? Yeah, I mean, it happens. It happens on commercial deals a lot because they're throwing big money around, but well, they do some stupid stuff on that. You know, here's tickets to the Knicks games. Here's whatever. You know, that's the kind of stuff you see kind of fly around. Um, and they do that to the agents even in some of those. Like, it's not even a joke. Like, I've seen them give the agent stuff and the client stuff and all kinds of wild stuff. Um, yeah, don't confuse. Don't confuse that situation with – uh, you know, uh, a buyer or somebody trying to bribe the other agent to, hey, make him take my offer. That's a little different. Right. This is buyer to seller. You know, this is the two clients trying to, you know, one client trying to butter the other. This is not bribing the agents to, to be unscrupulous, as John said. Would so that, that so would have make your come, offer? Go ahead. Would that have to come, like, okay, say you're going to send flowers. Um, you would, as the agent should not be doing this. Yes, as I was going to say, it would have to be buyer is provided the address. Well, obviously, they have the address. And then, yeah, and then they send it themselves. So do you think that would make your offer stand out? I don't know. Would there be a discussion about your offer? Would a seller look at that and go, wow, what a tacky thing to do. I don't want to look at their offer now. Maybe. The risk. So anyway, I'm throwing out random stuff, okay? But... Somebody mentioned it providing the seller side home warranty stuff. Um, here's another example people get really confused about on this stuff with, with um, EMDs. What if you made a portion of the EMD immediately non-refundable? Yep. So I'm going to give you a $5,000 EMD, and every week that we go forward in your contract, $1,000 of it becomes non-refundable. I'm committed to buying your house. Does that make your offer different, even if the money's not right, or even if the financing's different? So think about things like that. Um, we just had one. Uh, I know that Robin does this a little bit. I think she just did one for Chris, actually. You know, well, Robin will do a little video, right? Hey, I'm Robin. I'm I'm working with the Smiths, um, and they're making an offer on your property. I just want to let you know that I've sat and talked with them. I've pulled their credit. I've done this. I've done that. And they're pre-approved to buy a house and I'm going to be a part of doing this all the way. But I want to let you know that I've looked at their stuff and it's not just a letter and it's a person behind what's going on here. Would that make a difference? So 
What's his list is lacking. Um, no, I just told Mike, unfortunately, I feel like some of our buyers are screwed because we're already doing this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know, random stuff. And I don't want to keep, I mean, there's three or four more things. Don't forget about, you know, I'm, I'm not a fan of post occupancy and pre-occupancy in today's markets that gets a little bit more fluid, but I will tell you, I am not a fan, but sometimes you can play with those. And you talk um, about that like two seconds real quick. Can you, Amber and I were having this conversation about right now, even though that's not something that we would conventionally do, if that's what it takes to get the buyer or the seller, whatever needs to happen. Are we okay with that? Like, is there certain terms that we should put in the contract to make that better? Is there something to CYA? And so your, your broker's it, hat's going to say this. If given the opportunity not to do that, you should never freaking do it because they are horrible on either way. Right, Carrie? Shake your, your head, Carrie, right? <laughs> they, all, they always end bad. They, they always end bad. So shorter the timeline, if you have to do it, right, the better. Make sure you have documented walkthroughs at the time of closing and documented walkthroughs at the other. And Michael's got the last one and put some money in it, right? If it walks away, this is your, this is your total exposure, right? So if this happens, then this is the full amount that they can be charged or this is what it is. Try to limit them. I will help you with those if you get in them, but I'm not a huge fan. I'm absolutely not a fan at all. There's one floating around right now where the sellers after closing refuse to move out of the house. Yeah, I mean, I, I could literally five times a year, I could tell you one of these, and none of them are good. You know, by the time they get to my desk, it's just not good. <laughs> um, all right. Let's see. We talked about non-refundable. We talked about the warranty. What else? How about how about uh, simplicity of the terms? So you guys talk about, like, inspections and stuff like that. What if you just simply said, and I will pay all the seller's closing costs, including the commission or excluding the commission? And you said it that way. Simple. You don't Do have buyer to buy pays the seller's closing costs? Sure. Oh. <laughs> buyer right. will pay $2,500 of seller's closing That's They can also pay the buyer's commission. Yeah, I mean, you, we don't have to pay the buyer's commission. I'll cover the buyer's side commission. So you can, sometimes it's the creativity of how you manipulate the money as much as it is the dollars you do. So that sounds much more impressive. Mr. Seller, I'm going to pay all your closing costs. The only thing you're going to be responsible for is the commission to the agents. Oh, wow. That sounds awesome. I don't have any of that. Okay. Yeah. It's 800 bucks, but, but you, you see what I mean, right? So presentation, right? And if you can present your offers, whether it's via zoom or not, you will always do much better presenting your offer than your co-agent will, you know, the situation and you can get reactions of what's going on in that negotiation. Can the listing agent, I guess it'd be the, they could say the seller doesn't want to do it, but can the listing agent refuse to let you present in person? Or I mean, present like Zoom or person or whatever, or would they, could they just say, well, the seller doesn't want to do that. So they can say the seller doesn't want to do that. But by state, on every state that we're in, with the exception of DC, I'll take DC out of that. uh, They're required to let you present your own offers. What about just calling the listing agent and being asking, like, what is most important to the buyer or the seller? I mean, 
I, I hate to say this. I mean, if you're walking through the house, you, you get to see things going on. You can tell whether there's two people living in that house still, if there was two before or if not. And you can tell whether, you know, maybe the person that lived there has passed or, you know, it's nobody's there. You, this is stuff you can tell. You can tell whether they got a new baby. You can tell whether they're packing stuff. Pay attention to that stuff. So when you're structuring your offer, you can somewhat intuitively kind of think about what their lifestyle is like and what's going on and what may work for them. All right. I'm sorry, Stephen. You, I'm, somebody else fire off some stuff. I don't mean to keep uh, you in the... In the end, Yes. Go ahead, Michael. That's a good one. Getting off round numbers, you know, don't offer two hundred and fifty thousand. Offer two hundred and fifty thousand three hundred and twenty nine dollars. Never offer one hundred and one or oh one. Go go into like my number was always seven seventy seven. So whatever I was offering was something seven seven seven, right? And, and I did that because nobody ever hit those numbers. If you hmm. do about one dollar, somebody else did a dollar too. But yes, escalation clauses as well. So those two. They pay an extra 300 bucks, but you know what? They got the freaking house, and that's our end goal. But, yeah, I, I've seen 888 was a, is like good luck in, in China. I know, right. An well, agent told me Chris? about oh, – oh, sorry. Ahead, John. An agent – just quick. An agent told me about escalation clause, and I don't know how I feel about this. Instead of doing $1,000 increments, to do it in $5,000 increments. Yep. Depends how bad you want it. Depends on what you want it. Like in the bigger, the, the higher price the house, you might be ten thousand dollar increments. Don't get hung up on the. And, and the make dollars. sure, you're, yeah, make sure your buyer understands that too, because they're the ones that are spending the money. Make sure they're okay spending five thousand dollars more when they actually might have got it for a thousand dollars more. Right. Make sure they understand what you're what they're getting into. It, Tyler would probably be fun to ask that question on because out there in L.A. You know, an escalation clause of a thousand bucks probably didn't get anybody excited, but you know, right. bump it up twenty five grand to make a difference. So, um, I, I'm sorry, I got on the call a little bit late. Did you guys already discuss appraisal waivers? Uh, we well, didn't. We haven't. <laughs> Thanks, Beth. <laughs> it's like a va- it's like a vampire. No, yeah. no. Well, first, first of all, you can't waive it if the lender won't let you. Yeah, the lender now, has to. Right, you, yeah. So I, I just wrote a contract and and my 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 buyer was doing conventional financing. So he had some money. So the way I wrote it up, what and I discussed this with him, we were willing to waive the appraisal if it came in, if the if the appraised value was within twenty thousand dollars of the sales price. Because he had the money to make it up, and he was willing to make it up because he wanted the house that bad. So we we couldn't waive the entire appraisal process because the lender required it, but we could waive it uh, if it was within twenty thousand dollars because he would pay the difference. So some of the offers we're seeing now is we will guarantee the price, we will pay the difference over the appraisal period, hands down. That's it, whatever it is. Um, and as long as your buyers are okay, right? I mean, this is pushing the, the appraised values now because what's happening is you're you're making these huge jumps in appraised value. Um, just remember, later these people are going to become your sellers, right? So your clients today and your clients tomorrow. So whatever you get, give them today, you have to deal with tomorrow. Um, 
with that, Steve, do you, can you ask to see proof of funds to cover that? Say that one more time. So comes in $20,000 under appraisal, what you're offering as the lister, can you ask to see proof of funds that they can cover? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, some amount, I mean, you don't know what it's going to, you don't know what the difference is going to be. So your amount could be, you know, look, I want to see that you have $50,000 worth of liquid assets to be able to make this work. Okay. And, and don't forget about that, that non-refundable deposit that makes people feel really excited about, well, if I take the house off for a market for a month, at least I'm paying my payment or I'm, you know, got some benefit. So that risk from the buyer, it really helps the seller. Um, and you can amplify that. Like, so, you know, you, you've heard about people, especially if they've had contracts and fell apart and now you're coming in writing contracts again with multiple offers, that's super attractive to a seller because now they feel like they're getting paid to play. Chris, you've been very patient. Did you have something else you wanted to say a few minutes oh, ago? Sorry, I didn't see his hand up. No, it's okay. Chris? Oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. Thanks, though. Oh, okay. There was one thing I don't think was uh, just real quick. Um, the pre-approval letter, even if you're showing a property on the weekends, have your loan officer for your buyer's cell phone number, full contact information, I never like to submit an offer without a pre-approval letter. Don't make a seller or a client, an agent wait for the pre-approval letter with an offer. Even if it's Sunday at six o'clock, I have called loan officers. They have got me a pre-approval letter on the spot. So yeah. I didn't have to say, oh, yeah, we're, we're sorry. They're working on getting the pre-approval letter. That's just another just little minor thing to make your offer look better. Because I have had to submit plenty of offers where I had to wait two days to be able to get the pre-approval because I couldn't get a hold of the loan officer on a Saturday. Wow. I also, if it is a pre-approval that's already been through underwriting, I make sure I specify that too. And another thing I think an agent talked on about being nice to agents, I learned very quick in Fredericksburg, I was writing on contracts and I, one of them, after we lost twice, I made sure to physically talk after I submit the offer or actually before I'm submitting the offer that I know it immediately call the agent, say, Hey, I'm submitting an offer. So you know about it. Give us a chance to get it in. Uh, when I'm, when I have put the buttons, uh, Hey, I just submitted the offer to you. I want to make sure you've got it uh, and be as nice as you can be. Pretend that you're trying to, you're in an interview at a job and you're trying to impress that agent. Um, and it will go a long way. I have, I had an agent in that situation who made sure to contact me back texting and phone and made sure I was updated. And I was like, that's because I was so overly pathetically nice to that agent. And that will go a really darn long way on your offers. So I think Liz said something here and I'll tell you, this is a practice I used to do when I was an agent. Um, everybody would leave business cards, right? That's kind of what everybody did. Um, so I used to have, I had a tent type card made. It was like a postcard, but it was a tent where my business card fit in it, but it had a little bit of a resume in there for me. Right. I talked a little bit about me and professionalism, what I did. Uh, that helps you when your offers come in because now they know who they're dealing with as an agent. And frankly, if the property doesn't sell or other buyers come through and they miss out, whose stuff do they remember setting on the counter? Right. They know you. So, and I made it as a tent. So it stood up and didn't say lay flat on the table. So everybody would pick it up and just kind of see what it was. So regardless, they, they took that time to do that. So when you're submitting offers, 
they'll know, oh, that came from the agent that left the special card or the special piece, right? So you get this kind of credibility, especially if you do it right and make it nice, so. Benny, do you have any last thoughts? So let's talk quickly about in-house deals. Uh, you've heard Steve and I kind of touch on this a little bit more lately. Some of you are doing an amazing job sharing your upcoming listings on the Facebook group. We really appreciate it. Uh, you, I think Wendy. it's very helpful. Yes, thank you very much. Um, and and I think, you know, it helps us on the buyer side, but it also helps us, you know, perform better for our seller, you know, to, to be able to, you know, call them before he even goes on the market and say, hey, I've got some interested folks lined up and ready to go. Uh, makes you look better. So, um, you know, what are some easy ways that we can do that? So, you know, we have exclusive look through the brand. Um, it's a great platform, but, um, you know, it, it takes a few minutes to do. So I, I love what you guys are doing on Facebook. I think that's great. If you guys are not in the Facebook group looking at those new listings, you're missing out uh, because you never know where the next one's coming from. But like, what do you guys think? Is there an easier way? What can we do to sort of remind you you know, to, cause I know it's easy to kind of forget, you know, you just, all of a sudden it goes on the market and it's like, oh man, I wish they would have put that in the Facebook group. So what, what's a good way we can kind of continue that and help you guys, you know, see it or, you know, whatever. And the Facebook group would seem pretty easy to me. Um, I'm checking exclusive look every day. Just like I check the MLS every day. It's just part of my routine now. Um, I love that. Um, you just put in a search box, Virginia or West Virginia or whatever, and it gives you all the listings um, for wants and needs and for um, and for what's available, what's coming soon. And, and I like you, don't forget what you said. It's wants and needs. So it's not just listings. It's even if you have clients that are looking in some area, you may have an agent looking through there going, oh, I got this one coming. I'll call Beth or whoever. I believe it sends out an email. Uh, like when you put one on, it gets, you know, I get emails. I don't know if you guys are getting them, but I get an email whenever somebody's put a new listing in there or a new want or need, whatever. Um, it's it's nice. It's like, oh, hey, that's good to know. Hmm. Um, so do you guys understand the benefits of doing an in-house deal? I mean, this isn't just a cash grab, <laughs> you know, like there, there is a method to the madness. Like we're not just doing it because we want more market share or whatever. Like there are, like who can tell me some benefits of why we want to do more deals in-house? I feel it's easier. We're all on the same page. <laughs> you when, know, when you have it's problems, like we, we have talked about money to work with and to people to work with. True. Yes. You know, it, and it helps our market share, as Sheila said, you know, it, 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 that is an important part of it. I know you guys don't really notice it much or, or care even maybe on a, on a small level, but you know, the more, the more blue signs that we get in the market and the more deals that we're doing buyer or seller side, you know, a high tide raises all the ships. So the more business that we can do, the better off we're going to be, you know, there's a definite correlation. You look at Morgan County, they have the best market share in that County. We're the number one office in Morgan County. And it's also the office that does the most in-house deals. They do like 16% of their deals in-house. You know, they, they communicate with each other. They, they, 
you know, back and forth. They're number one for a reason. That's the reason they're number one is because they're able to retain more market share uh, and keep those deals in house. So it really helps. And that then makes them more attractive to a buyer or a seller because they can say, I'm the number one office in this market. Yeah, they do uh, talk up there in uh, the Berkeley Springs office. Hey, I got a cabin coming up on the Cacapin River. It's going to be about 250 And it, you know, the radar goes up and people think, oh, you know, I've got somebody for that. Or, you know, Peyton's got somebody for that. And, and yeah, they communicate and it translates to, is it only 16%? I would think it's less than, I think it's more than that. Square brick and test get 40% of their own deals sold each. They're, they're I thought it was 16% as an office. I could be wrong. Because I, I will say, being in business for 25 years in Washington County, there's nobody in Washington County that gets both sides of their deals like Tess and Rick. Nobody at all. So, you know, just be cognizant of it. Uh, we're, we're a lot easier to deal with. You know, uh, it's like I said, you know, be, when we talk about being nice to each other, I mean, I think we're all pretty nice to each other. Um, so we know we're going to have a smoother transaction, a more civil conversation. And as Steve said, if a problem arises, we've got a lot more levers we can pull. We have more control. We're not waiting on multiple brokers, multiple agents to make decisions. You can go straight to Steve's office and get an, get an answer immediately. Uh, and we can make the deal work. So, you know, it's just, it's, it helps us everybody if we can do more in-house stuff. You don't necessarily have to double dip it yourself if you're not comfortable with that because not everybody does dual agency refer it to somebody else. Say, hey, I'll give you a referral fee if you'll handle the buyer side of this this deal. They're ready to write an offer. Let's let's do this. So anyway, that's that's my spiel on that. Steve, did you have anything else to add? No, I'd just like to see us do a better job at it. So I mean my my outreach to you guys is just take the effort to put it in exclusive look or on the Facebook page so that we can help some of these buyers we have out here. I, I get very flustered when you've got John talking about a wrote 11 offers for the same couple and they're mad at us because they haven't found a house yet. And I feel like we're failing them. They're as much as our clients as the sellers are our clients. So I, I don't like those phone calls, you know, especially when you get the, well, you all just listed one in Stephen city or wherever else. And I didn't even get to look at it. You know, that that's the kind of calls I'm getting, which is not good. So that's it. Well, thank you guys. I hope you felt this was uh, valuable. Hopefully you got some good tips out of it. Uh, As always, if you have questions about legalities or ethics or anything like that, please bring them to Steve, talk to your managers, whatever. Um, Appreciate everyone's feedback. It's always good to learn from each other. So, and thank you, especially to John and Liz. Paula had to jump off early, but I'm sure she would have had some awesome tips as well. Um, She's always a wealth of knowledge. So you can always reach out to any of any of us really. Um, and let's let's talk through these and let's get these problems solved. Thanks, guys. Yep. Have a good one.